Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. So, part of living the life God intends is us walking in our purpose with authority. So, Father, I just, we come to you and approach your word and ask that you get your your way here this morning. Your word is powerful, it's active, it's alive. If what we've talked about, Lord, you don't want to use, I'll scrap it. I ask that you get to have your way and that we have eyes to see, we have ears to hear and hearts to understand what your will is for our lives as individuals, as families, as a body. Have fun with us today, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. So I want um, to read something to you out of the Amplified Bible in Genesis 1, 27 through 28. And God blessed them. I, I don't know if you guys have that in the Amplified. Granting them certain authority and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subjugate it, putting it under your power. And rule over, dominate, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. Some versions say creeps upon the ground. So here we see God giving authority to Adam and Eve. And he says, this is what I want you to do. They were given an assignment They were given authority, and they were to have dominion is what really stands out in that. And if you study that in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word memshalah. It means government. Hmm. God cares about government. Power and to rule. So he says, I want you to have dominion. And he was very specific He says, I want you to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing that creeps upon the ground. So I look at this and I think, God really wanted partnership with his creation. And he gave him this authority. And you just turn over, that's in Genesis 1. You turn to chapter 3 of Genesis. And it's so interesting because it opens up with something creeping in. Interesting, God says, over everything creeps upon the ground. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more cunning, crafty, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I find it interesting that God prepared Adam and Eve. Hey, this is where I've given you to rule, to reign, to enjoy. But you have authority. And literally the next scene in comes the devil. What would have happened, do you think, if Adam would have remembered he had dominion? What would have happened if he would have used the authority God gave him? You know, I know it's easy for us to sit at home and read the word and try to stay distant from it. 
or sit here and think, wow, what a jerk. Why do you do that? But I really want to make this personal today. If God intended this from the beginning, that we would have dominion and we would rule and walk in authority, and it was lost in the garden, you know, Matt had talked about that, and if it was lost there, then it was restored in the cross. So what are we doing? The sermon series is living the life. I want to suggest that I cannot live the life fully God intended if I'm not walking in the authority and taking dominion over the areas of my life that God has entrusted to me. The cross restored that. So today it's all going to be about Hey, how are we doing with that? What are we doing with this? So I think it's interesting that same word dominion is in Genesis 1.16 when it says the sun will have the rule of the day. The sun does have dominion of every single day. And then he said we would have dominion. But it's interesting because that was given over through the fall. And we know that. That's just basic. And I do, I just felt like the Lord just wanted me Maybe everybody in here knows this. Maybe you don't. But I sit with a lot of people that are different places in their faith and what they've been taught. Some were raised in the church. Some weren't. And sometimes people want to know, where did Satan come from? So if you're a note taker, just jot down Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. Um, It talks about the fall of Satan. When he was created, he he was an angel. Um, He was beautiful. He was powerful. He was created to do worship before the throne. But it was really interesting. He got full of himself. He decided he wanted to be worshipped. And he talks about how he was going to make himself like God. So what's interesting is all of this took place before Adam and Eve. And then in Revelation, it talks about when he was thrown out, a third of the angels were cast out with him. They decided to rebel. I just wanted you to have that point of reference. If you've never been taught it, never studied it, I recommend that you do. Because what you need to realize is Satan and God are not equal. And a lot of people walk around and talk about how horrible the devil is and what he's doing. And it's, he's a created fallen being. Demons are fallen. They, there's not going to be more demons. There's not going to be more angels. People don't die and become angels. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And if you buy into it, then it affects how you personally live. But I just wanted to say, Satan was an angel. He chose to rebel. He got cast out. A third of the angels rebelled with him. Just so you're aware of that, it makes it important, I think, for you to realize that um, why he was cast out, he had free will. I'm going to throw out a question. Will you still have free will when you go to heaven? I don't know. (laughs) But they had free will. I do want to point out in that Isaiah 14, 14, where Satan makes all these, Lucifer at that time, makes all of these statements, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. He goes, his last statement was, I will be like God. In the garden, what did he tempt Eve with? Being like God. She was already like God. I want to suggest to you why the enemy hates us and wants to devour us 
is because we were created in God's image. And when we walk in the fullness of who we're created to be, we can be like God. He doesn't hate you and want you to go to hell. He hates you because you have the one thing he wanted. You are made in the image of God. Everything has been paid for us to walk in the power and the purposes of God through the cross. And we have what he'll never get. But if you look at that from the beginning, he wanted to be like God. He tempted Eve. Oh, God knows if you eat that, you'll be like him. And so that's why there's a hatred towards those of us who follow Jesus, who have been recreated in the image of Christ. It's because we have what he'll never get. And so we are the object of let's kill, still, and destroy. Let's get rid of them. But I want to remind you that Isaiah 14 also says, when we look upon this fallen angel, we'll say, is this the one? It's in Isaiah 14, 16, that mocked the nations, that caused the earth to tremble. Is this the one? In Revelation, it says one angel binds him for the thousand-year reign. Why am I talking about all this? I want to put him into perspective. I want to suggest that those of us in here today probably have been trained more about who the devil is and what he does by movies you've watched, by books you've read, by secondhand stories that you've heard instead of knowing what the word of God says. And if we're going to live the life that God created for us, we need to know that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We have an enemy, but we need to know his place and we need to walk in ours. Amen? So living the life, Jesus is our example. What did he do with demons? You know, it's so interesting because I I was one that had the privilege of being raised listening to demons and deliverance and all of these things. We had to drive a hundred miles one way to go to the orthodontist and my mom listened to teaching tapes. So at 14 years old, these were the kind of things I was listening to for that hour and a half drive there and an hour and a half drive back. And at the time it might've irritated me, I'm very thankful now um, and have been for quite some time. But if you look in the gospels, what's Jesus is our example. Where does the demonic, where does the enemy fit into our life? In the gospels, you will find 12 different times where Jesus got rid of demons, evil spirits, unclean spirits. They're interchanged at times, demon, unclean, evil spirits. 12 different times. It's interesting because they came out in different ways. He dealt with them in different ways. You know, you need to go read that. That's not what I'm going to talk about. But I'm trying to paint a big picture of if Jesus is our example of living the life, what did he do? And we have 12 different occasions where he was setting captives free. And you think, well, Beth, that's not very many. Okay, in the Gospels, we have about 35 days. Total. Covers a span of about 35 days years. A lot is spent on in the beginning. It's spent on the birth. It's spent on John the Baptist's birth. It's spent on the death, burial, and resurrection. So we scripturally only have a snippet of Jesus's three and a half years of ministry. So if you only have about 35 days recorded because there's repeats, and do you want to hear this interesting tip? 
You won't find in the Gospel of John where Jesus cast out any demons. If you find it, please email me. I couldn't find it. All the other Gospels talk about it. John didn't. Why? I don't know. I found it interesting. For those of you who like nerdy tips, that's one of those. (laughs) But anyway, so for 12 different instances, what we see is a repeat. We see a daily activity of Jesus healing the sick, setting captives free. Setting them free from an unclean spirit and healing the sick. Often they go hand in hand. And so if we're seeing this is something Jesus did, I would like us to turn to Mark 1, 21 through 28. This is Jesus casting out a demon in church. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. It was not the man that cried out, it was the spirits. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned amongst themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. They marveled. They're like, what is this new doctrine? Do you know in the Old Testament, we have all kinds of examples of, we have examples of people being healed, of food multiplying, of all kinds of supernatural encounters, but we don't have examples of people being delivered from demons. Now, David would play his music and the demonic would leave Saul, but it would return. It wasn't like a full deliverance, right? But they're marveling. Here they are in church, and they see Jesus take authority over this, and they're like, oh. So they're saying, huh. I wonder how we would treat the possessed in church. And I I really don't even want to say possessed because, again, I think that's something we've been taught a little bit wrong. We can have people under the influence of spirits, and they're not possessed. And that's something you'll just have to study out and find out. But if you don't realize it, we give place. You know, our attitudes attract atmospheres, just like our words create worlds. And we have a responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere that we not only attract, but that we prepare and that we marinate in. And I just look at this and I think, wow, here's Jesus, and he does something that they're not only not used to, they don't have a frame of reference but it brought great marvel that he would walk in this. So this is the beginning of him showing us the example of what we're supposed to be doing. And we are to be walking in authority over what the enemy does. So we have a lot of examples. If you guys watched The Chosen, Mary Magdalene, didn't they do an amazing job of that? Scripture actually tells us seven demons came out of her. It says there were other women, and they were healed of oppression. 
They were set free from demonic oppression and healed of sickness. They put it in the same sentence. It's really fascinating. But we're getting an example of what God intends. This is what I've come to do, is to destroy the works of the enemy. So if you and I are going to live the life that he intended for us, this should be a part of a hallmark of what we do as well. So Matthew 10, verse 1, I'm just going to read some of these to paint the picture of, this was every day. This was something that started becoming normal and expected that people would bring the oppressed, the possessed, the tormented. Matthew 10, 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. If you go to verse 8, Jesus is talking to them. And he says, when you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So here we see Jesus has already shown various times where he set captives free, right? But now he's commissioning the 12 that he chose, this is what I want you to do. It's interesting because he did that and he hadn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't defeated the enemy, but he still had authority and he not only used it, he gave it. So here we see the 12. And you could sit there in your seat and say, well, Beth, that was the 12 hand-picked disciples. I knew you'd say that. So let's go to Luke 10, 1, because we're going to talk about the 70 now. This is still my introduction, you guys. The 70, Luke 10, 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So... The harvest is so great, they need more workers. He calls 70. And then if you read in verse 17, when the 70 return, they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You'll find that in one of the references I gave earlier. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what I've heard in recent years is people are saying, oh, you know, don't rejoice that there's demons and you can have authority, rejoice. And I agree with what Jesus said, but they've laid down their authority. They're not using that. So they Push that aside and make this the focus. God says both are the focus. And if he's given all power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over how much work of the enemy? All. Well, I know that if you won't acknowledge that you have an enemy, you're not going to use authority over him. And I feel like it's part of the deception of the days. I feel like it's part of doctrines of demons. I believe it's something that the word warns not to um, push aside. Now, I'm not looking for demons in every doorknob. If you know me, you know that this isn't my topic all the time. But I feel like because we haven't made it 
an important thing. People aren't walking in the power and authority. Not just the 12, not the 70, us. He's given this to us. All power in heaven and earth has been given to us. What he had, he passed on to the church, us, the living, breathing body of Christ. And I feel like um, there are people out there that teach there's just really not demons, there's just bad behaviors. And if you can just teach somebody a new behavior, then they'll be okay. That isn't what Jesus exampled. That isn't what the disciples exampled. It's not what the, further on in the New Testament what was exampled. It's just being aware that from the very beginning, God told Adam he had authority and dominion, and he didn't take it. He gave it up. We've been given authority and dominion. And if we don't take it, we're giving it up. So I felt like the Lord just said, Beth, will you remind my people that they have a position of power and authority that if they're not using it, they're giving it away. And so that's what my heart is. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, he who knew no sin became sin, right? so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not powerful over the enemy because I'm so smart or because I was born in Montana or because I'm a woman or because, I mean, people want to justify they have power in the kingdom based on accomplishment. It says, I became the righteousness of God in Christ because of what he did. Now, when I take that on, it says, you know, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness is right position. We're given that right position. We keep it by right living. If I want to operate in righteousness, I do it because I am aware I'm the righteousness of God, right? Peace isn't the absence of of adversity, it's the presence of someone. It's when the enemy brings adversity and I'm more aware of the presence of the Prince of Peace. I can stay in the kingdom and have adversity coming against me. And we all know that joy is the presence of someone. In God's presence is fullness of joy. And if I am not feeling that kingdom place, I need to revisit his presence. I feel like the enemy is really subtle. He's like, Maybe he tells you, you don't really need to be in the word. You pray all the time. You talk to God all the time. Have you ever heard that one? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Um, But it's true. I know it's true because I've heard it. Oh, you you talk to God all the time. Well, it's really interesting because I really feel I was talking to a friend of mine one day. I said, you know, talking to God all the time is like water. But the word is like food. Can you live on water alone? We need the word. And the word has a power to give us discernment in things with the enemy. The word of God is active. It's alive. I love how it goes down. It says that it gets, helps even discern the thoughts and the intents of our heart. There are times, you guys, without the balance of the word of God being there, just talking to God all the time doesn't give you what you need to rule and reign, to take dominion. We definitely need both. But, you know, it's really interesting, the whole thing of you and I became the righteousness of God. It's not just a pretty song or something we quote. It's something we live. 
You know, it says in Romans 8, 17, we're joint heirs with Jesus. What does that mean? I had that memorized long before I really understood it. And memorizing or getting to know the word is crucial. But then it's like, God, what does that mean? If you look that up, Strong's defines it as personal equality based on equality of possession. Isn't that interesting? Personal equality, I'm a joint heir with Jesus based on the equality of possession. To the degree I will possess that word of God that says, I am a joint heir. So I get to partner with what he promised. This isn't all about what Jesus is going to do in Beth Johnson's life. It's what Beth Johnson will believe that Jesus did on the cross. And I take up those weapons and I take up his word and I say, this is how we take dominion. This is what we're supposed to do. So if we haven't been walking in our authority, what does that mean? Like, can you just make it personal as you're sitting there? Can you just say, Holy Spirit, where have I just not cared or I've overlooked? Because I find it really important that Jesus gave us authority because he didn't tolerate darkness. We're called to carry the kingdom and make him known. When I walk in personal victory and I'm living free, then I get to help other people walk in victory and see them live free. But if the enemy can keep us trapped and deceived, we're not much help to anybody else. And I think this happens far more than we're willing to admit. You know, was that me? Stop that in Jesus' name. Um, Anyway, the enemy attacks everyone. Absolutely everyone. But you know what? It's what we do with those attacks determines what we believe about who God made us to be and what our place and position is. John 10.10. You guys know this by heart, right? What does it say? The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they have, may have it more abundantly. It's interesting how often, I want to make this so personal, that we can have things going wrong in our life and we want to blame God. And the enemy loves it because it gets us distracted and it gets us get off. And we start thinking, God, if you really loved me, then why? Da, da, da. And we're, we're just off totally on the wrong road. Instead of God, I see things are being stolen from me. I see things that are being destroyed. Have I opened a door? What do I need to pray against? Lord, what, what, would you like to give me some insight? Like we do this from a place of relationship and power and authority. If I know the enemy's whole goal, and we see that from the very beginning, was to steal, kill, and destroy. He uses lies. He's the father of lies. And the thing about lies, we know that the Bible says, when you know the truth, 
The truth makes you what? Free. So, what's the opposite of that? Believing lies. And if we're believing lies, are we free? So, the enemy is the one, and he attacks all of us. Um, 1 Peter 5.8, I want to read this out of the New Living. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's interesting, if you just think on the scriptures you know about an enemy, about Satan's ways, it's talking about us being vigilant. It's talking about us not being unaware. It's just really proactive, on-target, full of power type words, not, eh, I think I have an enemy. It's saying, be alert, be vigilant. And I think what's interesting, he's looking, he's seeking for someone he can devour. Do you know what that suggests to me? He can't devour everybody. So the question for me personally, the question for you is, are you in a position where you're allowing the devourer to steal, kill, and destroy? Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's in your business. Have you guys ever noticed that there can be a great corner in the city for business, and a business after business goes in and it always fails? I want to suggest to you that's spiritual that there's a power and principality assigned over there for failure. And you and I have the power to change that. That's why I love that there's a ministry here to pray over businesses. The business and prophetic, they can go and they can detect and stand with you and believe and say, ah, no, there is something here, and pull it down. Something that was given permission long before we were there. And I just feel like that's who we're called to be. We're to be vigilant. We're to be aware. And the thing is is the enemy uses fear as his vehicle to get into our life all the time. You know, the Bible says, fear not or do not be afraid 365 times. I think that's, we need one every day of the year. And we know that it says in Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? So I want to suggest that we'll never get rid of the spirit of fear, but we'll know how to not operate under its influence. The spirit of fear is here, and it's looking to devour people. But when you are more aware of the presence of God in your life, when the spirit of fear is there, it can no longer control you because you're saying, what do you want to do about this, God? And I, I believe now more than ever in our society, fear is being handed out like candy. And we haven't been vigilant. We haven't said, oh, no. You are not calling my name. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, therefore I do not have to listen to you. So I feel like we need to know, it's not just, oh, change your mind, Beth. You know how many times I've tried to just change my mind and not use my authority, and that thing's on the back burner, boiling. And next time it comes up, it's bigger, right? Because he said we're to use our authority, and I'll say, oh, no, I rebuke that. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. And when you know that you know you haven't been given one and it's tormenting you, then you're the one that has authority to say, not today in Jesus' name. And then you remind yourself of, 
who God is and how he's overcame and he has something better. But I will tell you, there's some victories that somebody can't win for me. I have to take my authority. I have to walk in the word of God and say, this is who I'm called to be. This is what God says. But if I think it's just an attitude or just, oh, you know, can we meddle a little bit? Yeah, let's meddle. <laughs> let's say you're quick to get angry. Did you know that's not the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I take that laughter as a yes. People say, oh, I'm just Irish. Liar. <laughs> oh, I'm just a whatever, whatever, those Enneagram things, sorry. That is not who you are. You are called to be free and full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Now, being somebody who can be very determined, not stubborn, determined, I realize when you want your way and you don't get it, what can happen? And the Holy Spirit will say, stop death. And when I don't listen to him, guess what? I'm listening to another voice. When Holy Spirit is telling me, uh, stop, and I don't, and I go with what I feel or what I want, guess what? I'm listening to another voice. Did you know I can listen to the devil's voice? You guys, if you don't think you can, I, listen, I talked to a believer not long ago and they said, the devil can't touch me. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh, really? The devil tried to touch Jesus. You know, just acknowledging that you can't be tempted, you can't be influenced. Why did it say that we would know God's voice? We're his sheep, we would know his voice. And a stranger's voice, did it say we would not hear? says, we will not follow. You will hear the wrong voice. But if you're not vigilant, if you're not looking, if you're not determined to not be devoured, and I'm not saying this from a fearful place. I'm saying it from don't you dare take territory God gave me. I'm saying not giving up what God gave you. And so if you're a person that's prone to anger and you, just, you justify that, you know, the day at work was horrible, the air conditioner quit, you got home and the kids were screaming and you just, and you justify that, I promise you that's not Holy Spirit's voice you're listening to. And what the enemy loves is he loves to get us out of sorts and then we start creating habits. Well, I feel this way. Well, shut up, feelings. I'm choosing life. But what happens is, do you know if you will choose life, your feelings will follow life? But if you're just going to choose your feelings when you're on the bad side of a situation, it will lead you to a dark place. And the thing is, is that if you're not taking your authority, if you're not living the life God gave you is, I'm not doing that. And I've had to talk to myself and I'd say, Beth, we're not going there. Shh. Nope. Lies, shut up. This is what I'm believing God's for me and not against me. The Bible says, if God is for you, who can be against you? You know what I love about that? One version says, who cares who's against you? Because you will have resistance. There are times at work, there are times at the grocery store. Have you been somewhere and you just all of a sudden felt super sad? You've had a great day, but this, ugh. And the enemy just wants you to take that on. It's a temptation. 
Don't take it on. First of all, say, Lord, is there someone I'm supposed to be praying for? Did I perceive this? Did I pick this up because somebody's in need? And if he doesn't tell you, the woman behind you is going to commit suicide and you should go pray for her. If it's really just something you walked through in the atmosphere and it's a temptation, then get rid of it. But you have to say, Holy Spirit, what is this? Because we were called to be warriors. We were called to walk in victory. But if we ignore this whole segment and then we wonder why we don't feel powerful in prayer and why we don't see fruit in our life, is it because we laid down our power and authority? So I think it's really important for us to say how I respond determines whether the enemy has influence over me. And it's really okay. I do this all the time. Holy Spirit, what am I feeling? Uh, why, why do I want to argue this point? Or like when I find uncharacteristic things coming out of me, I submit myself to my friends. I'll say, gosh, something's off with me. Will you pray for me? You know, there's a reason that we're to be cleansed by the water, the washing of the water of the word. There's a reason, David said, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. We have an enemy. And the thing is, is I want to have an awareness so much more of God so that when I encounter him, I always just pick God. I pick his ways, you know. But where it talks about we're to submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee, that's James 4, 7. What's interesting is most people don't know how to submit to God because they haven't been spending time with him. Or what would submitting to God in this situation look like? You know, in James, where it talks about where there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work, we're going to make this personal again. When you're determined to live in strife with somebody... You're opening the door for confusion and every evil work. Do you think that's what God wants? I know it's not. You guys, there are, there are just demonic spirits that just want influence to make you naughty, to make you ineffective, to destroy you. I remember when I was in college, I had dated this young man for three years and thought I was going to marry him. And we met with a pastor um, regularly. And one day we had met with this pastor, and as we were walking out, I'll always remember where I was in the student union building at Eastern Montana College. And the pastor turned to me and he says, Beth, that spirit of lust that's on Dale is trying to get on you. I said, pray for me. Because he detected something that was trying to destroy me, and I was oblivious to it. Are you so full of pride you won't let somebody talk into your life like that? then you're a target. You know, I want my husband to say, hey, Beth, I've noticed you've been really irritable. What's wrong? What are you afraid of? Because that might manifest in me that way, and I'll realize I've given fear place where I was supposed to put it under my feet. But if you always have to have your own way, and you're going to be in strife if it's not your way, then have you opened the door to confusion and every evil work? Have you, just for fun, watched witchcraft movies, done a Ouija boards, tarot cards? It was just fun. It was a dare. And you opened the door for that influence of witchcraft in your life? Then just say no in Jesus' name. We're not talking big, ominous deliverances. We're talking, I will no longer partner with what I once partnered with. 
This should be normal, everyday life for the believer. You know, if there are things that we've just known God has said, this is for you, this is where you're going, and we can't seem to budge, Tim and I will say, what are we not seeing? God, has the enemy planted something? And the Lord is asking us to partner with him to see his promises fulfilled by us standing in our authority. But if you're not aware, I am begging you to find out what your role is by by picking up the word of God and saying, you mean it should be a daily occurrence that I'm so full of the life of God that captives are set free? that I can be at the library and sense somebody is bound by um, unforgiveness. You know, unforgiveness has a spirit of torment with it like none other. But when you sense that and you just turn to somebody and say, hey, this might seem weird, but I just feel like you're really tormented and I feel like the Lord's showing me it's unforgiveness. Can I pray for you? Like, what if that's as normal as breathing? It is for Dawn, but we need it for all of you guys. Seriously, we're all supposed to be walking in this. And I felt like that's what the Lord was saying. It's so much more important for us to be God-focused. And in the presence of being so God-focused, we see what the enemy's up to and we just take authority. Why did he prepare a table in in Psalm 23? Why did he prepare a table in the presence of our enemies? Do you think he wanted us to see what our enemies look like when we're in his presence? Maybe instead of letting the enemy devour us, remember how we read in Peter? He seeks whom he can devour. What happens when we devour what God's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies and they have no hold on us? You know how the word of God says the weapons of our warfare, they're not mighty. I mean, they are mighty. Through the God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Do you know what your weapons are? You don't have to answer that. But if we are in a war and we're to have weapons and we're to be walking, and if it's the word and if it's worship, and if it's, sometimes it's coming together in prayer. I've had things I needed to borrow somebody's faith. It's okay to say, hey, Kelly, will you pray with me? Because I can't seem to get off this and have them come alongside. It's gone. So in essence, the sum of what I wanted to throw out there was, we have an enemy. And in the very beginning, Adam and Eve had authority. They had dominion. They were given government and rulership over the earth and everything that crept in it. They didn't use it. They lost it. It was restored through the cross. Jesus gave it to his disciples. He gave it to the 70. Then he gave it to all of us. And he told us to go, that we're to do this until he returns. We are to cleanse the lepers. We're to raise the dead. We're to set captives free. We're to deliver people from demons. We're to heal the sick. Like, that's what we're called to do. If we're going to live the life in the way that God intended, we can't do it without walking in the fullness of what he paid for. And so what I'd like to do is I just would like us to take a moment and, and just ask the Lord, have we given place in our life to things we shouldn't? You know, it's so interesting. Somebody can give place to a spirit of lust, which then gives a place to a spirit of shame, and which then gives place, and it's just multiple, and the Lord just says, I want you free indeed. 
He came that we would be free indeed, that we'd have life to the fullest. Some people will say, well, Beth, I, I've really been afraid, but this is wisdom to be worried about this. It's never wise to be worried. The enemy has lied to you. We're to cast all of our cares upon the Lord, but I just, I just want you to know that grief can be a spirit. You could suffer loss in a job or of a loved one, and there is grieving, and God brings comfort. But then there's a spirit of grief that gives such torment, and God never intended that. When there's no longer life, it's a spirit behind it. But there's so many things we could go on for days. I didn't want to cover all of it. What I wanted to cover is I would like every one of you to say, God, am I living the life you intended by walking in the power and authority that you equipped me to? Am I living above the plans and schemes of the enemy or underneath and influenced by them? We should be so full that when you go to work and you walk down the hospital corridors or you're in the coffee shop, that the kingdom leaks out of you that people want what you have. Hey, I just noticed there's a light about you. There's there's an aura. People say that all the time. You have this aura? I said, you mean Holy Spirit? But that's what we're supposed to be about. But what is it cluttered with? Are you willing to just say, have I let anything in that I shouldn't? Because we regularly need baths from the Holy Spirit and the washing of the word and being willing to say, is there anything in me that's displeasing? Or have I given place through agreement through things that shouldn't be there? So let's ask. Be brave. (laughs) Holy Spirit, is there any place, or are there places that we've let other things in, that we've let things control us or rule or reign, lie to us, intimidate us? Would you just reveal areas that we've walked away from our power and authority? God, if we've partnered with accusation, Satan is the accuser and he accuses day and night. But we overcome by your blood and the power of our testimony. So we break agreement with accusations and that language. God, are there there any that have partnered with death that their life isn't worth living? Show them what their life costs you. Okay, Holy Spirit, you're the leader. You're the guide. You teach us. You show us things to come. You're the power and presence that we need to live free. So we just submit to you these things that have come to our minds, the things that we saw pictures of. And Lord Jesus, we put your lordship over every one of those lies, every one of those attachments, every one of those dark places, every one of those shameful things. Jesus, we put your banner of your word and your name above our lives. You are more than enough. And Father, I just thank you that we can boldly declare whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Your heart for freedom, your heart for restoration, your heart for us being sons and daughters of the Most High, who clothe ourselves with your armor, who actively use the sword of the Spirit,
We actively engage in battle because we were promised victory. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And praise be to you, Jesus, who always causes us to triumph. So Lord, just forgive us for where we laid down our power and authority and reinvigorate us to walk in victory, living the life that you paid for so that the world can know you're alive, you're well, you're setting captives free. And God, I'm gonna boldly ask that we have opportunities today, tomorrow, to pray for people and demons go. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So we have prayer teams up here. They'll pray for you for healing. If there's something you want agreement on and you want a demon to go, they'll pray for that. We have prophetic teams. We love you. And our whole goal is we want to live full and free. And I know that's what you want too. So let's give Jesus that what he's worthy of. And that's our lives well lived. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.